The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. What is up? Notebook Wagering here. It's a solo show for the second week in a row here in the Salisbury Studios. What's up? I'm Quentin. Notebook Wagering here live from the Salisbury Studios, fueled by Monster Energy Drink, and I'm excited for this new sponsorship that the studio has gotten. I probably have a 10% share in Monster Energy because of how many I drink. Uh, so round of applause for the uh, the hard work of the ownership and the producers to get this for us. This is pretty awesome, boys. What's going on? I got uh, I got Maddie and Nails holding it down in Pittsburgh. What's going on, fellas? Oh, nothing cute. Where's Smitty at? I, I, supposedly he's got a bad case of the old pink eye, huh? <laughs> Smitty looks like Bob Costas at the Sochi Olympics. When he went on <laughs> stage, I told him, I said, we don't need a reenactment of that. Just stay home. Get with the trainers and rest. So he did not make the trip with the uh, with the team this week. But he should be back next week, so. Big week for us coming up. We got uh, conference tourneys oh, yeah. to pick up for hoops. We need him MLB. for that. We, we need him to be healthy, 100% for that. So, Yeah, MLB, full swing down there in uh, spring training. Yep. A lot of NFL talk going on, a lot of bad news, good news type crap. Uh, Jason, what do you have going down there in the uh, southern part of Pittsburgh? I'm just studying up here on the small conference tournaments. I like those ones a little bit better than the big conference ones. The big conference tournaments usually have no steam. They have no energy because the bids are already settled by the time those are running. So these little guys are playing for their lives. And you get to hear about all these schools that are at the bottom of Division One that maybe you bet. You probably bet. But now you actually get to see them in person and uh, see what they're doing. So, yeah, the Pirates scored seven games. Seven runs a game, giving up nine. Be nice is what I expect <laughs> from the season. Mid-season form. <laughs> at the NFL's ability to continue to stay the news cycle. Their season's been over now for, what, two weeks, three weeks? Yeah. And they just find a way to get to the top of the front page every single day. It's, it's, it's really impressive. Like, get out of the way, guys. Take well, they're the months off. You know, I mean, you know as well as I do. Even though America, baseball is America's pastime, NFL runs this country, you know, tenfold. So any, any story or, you know, I say story in quotes is going to proceed and, and take over anything. So uh, can I, can I jump on that college basketball, little uh, mid-major tournament action real quick? I have a problem with how they, they sort of run it. And it's more so the NCAA. I have a problem with these teams that are playing in these mid-major games who aren't even eligible for the tournament. And now they're going to cost somebody else an opportunity to make the tournament because they're, pl- they're allowed to play in their conference tournaments. I have a huge problem with that. If one, I, if the teams are good enough to win their conference, you know whether it's regular season or you know conference tournament, why can't they go to the big dance and still upset somebody? I mean, there's plenty of teams that I would easily take to potentially make an upset or cover a spread from a gambling perspective, but they're not even eligible, and now two teams are taken out essentially. Well, most of them have rules though that, like, I know the Atlantic Sun, I think, is one where they have a couple teams who aren't eligible, yeah, and it goes back to the regular season champ who actually is eligible. So they're okay on that. So they're not giving up any bids, but yeah. Yeah. But like if Maramac, that team runs the table though. 
Well, no, but that's like they said, the, the conference still decides who gets the bid, so they're okay with that. Okay. Merrimack's a team who's actually been pretty good in the NEC the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Tough to play against with the, the crazy zone. And I don't know what year they get eligible to play the SAA tournament. It feels it's like, like four years, it. isn't it? Yeah, and they never really explained what, why that is. Um, like the, they said the schools have to get ready. Yeah. Everybody's ready. Yeah. They already played tournaments <laughs> at every level. <laughs> they've are, yeah, they've, they've been recruiting. They're ready. I mean, they're going by bus to places to play. Yeah. Obviously, much much nicer accommodations when you're playing in Division One. So it, it's just a big bunch of nonsense. I know there's a bunch of schools that have come up and they're, you know, they're trying to make them wait their turn, but these schools are ready to go. Put them in. We'll see the best teams. Yeah, I agree. Matt, what's your thoughts on anything? Uh, well, I mean, to, to make it funny, they're, they're put, treating them like the guys in old school, not even part of the university, really. <laughs> but hey, much. come on out. <laughs> Pretty much. It, I mean, as long as they cover, like Jason said, as long as they cover with the conference champ in the regular season, I'm fine with it. I mean, it, these schools, it, it helps their recruiting to show, hey, we're going to go at it. Uh, you can't knock the schools. You, you have to knock the NCAA, like you said. Yeah, it's definitely not on the schools. I mean, they obviously want the money from the tournament. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, all tournament teams get it, uh, like a piece of the pie, correct? Or like a, a bonus incentive. Jason, you'd probably know that. Yeah, no, each team gets uh, paid at least a piece of the pie. I think you get more the further you go. But sure. then also that must get pulled again and then redistributed through the conference. Yeah, so yeah that makes it, sense. It ends up being uh, uh, communism in the end, but yeah. <laughs> All right, since we're on the college basketball, we've got a lot to talk about. So we're going to talk a little college basketball today. We're going to talk some college baseball. We have a great guest for you. He's kind of up and coming in the uh, college baseball world, which is also up and coming. Not only for this area, I mean, it's obviously been well established in the South, uh, that's kind of like Major League Baseball down there for many states, uh, but we're starting to see it, you know, across the Midwest, the the Northeast, um, you know, the Mid Atlantic region where we are, uh, and then you know, you out west. So we're going to be talking a lot about that, and then uh, always we have Matty Nails and Smitty's golf plays. He went ahead and texted me those, and then we've got to cover the XFL because I think it's pretty solid football. There's just no way to put it. Um, so we're going to start with college basketball. So we obviously. Let's start with the mid-majors. Who are some of the, you know, we already talked about the the tournaments. Like Merrimack's a good team. They probably could go somewhere in the tournament and potentially upset somebody, but they're out. So taking out teams that are, you know, not qualified for the NCAA tournament, who are some of your sleeper picks to, you know, even though it's that, that sexy 5-12 matchup, you can always catch a 13-4 or a 14-3 kind of matchup. Uh, who are those teams that are going to fall into that for you guys that you guys are really looking into, whether it's a, a money line outright win uh, or uh, at least cover a spread as we head into the tournament? Uh, I'll I'll go first, but here I'm going to start it off a little differently. So somebody, I'm not sure who it was on Beeson, had a really good breakdown. They, they think this year because of how close all these teams are after basically the top three or four, there's going to be a lot of bad seedings going on. And by bad seedings, I mean good teams that are probably going to go way lower than they should. So how would you like to be a number one seed? And you're, you're looking a little ahead of your 116 game. And in the 8-9 playing game, you have a Kentucky team who's coming in absolutely on fire. Because that's yeah. where they're going to get seeded. Absolutely. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be in – who knows, maybe they stumble a little bit in the conference tournament, but they're getting in no matter what. Yep. And they're going to be probably a 10, 8, 9, 7, somewhere in there. And, man, that's the kind of game that's going to wreak havoc for some people. 
And uh, then you have some other, like the small schools, which we all love. We all root for them. We went over a bunch of them last week, but I'm going to go a different where, again, I'm going to go with some teams that are cold, I feel. And we're watching one tonight, and I hate to say it, Q, but it's Providence. Yeah. Coming out a little slow. And then being a Pittsburgh guy with Jason here, the, the talk around here is what, what's going on with Pitt? And I actually wrote a note down. How is Pitt a nine seed in these bracketologies? Duke is a five seed, yet Pitt is on top of the ACC. It's kind of scary. And now Pitt's laying an egg tonight, and now people are saying, well, that could be a playing game, and that stinks. So I think I think don't look at um, the the really small schools yet. So see, because you have to wait to see who even gets in, because they That's they true. could not even get a bid depending on if they don't want don't win their conference tournament. But look out for these uh, power five schools, power ten, whatever it is nowadays for the hoops, <laughs> and see see what those teams are doing. Because you know Duke's getting in, you know Kentucky's getting in, you know these big names oh, yeah. getting in because NCAA wants. But well, I mean, they, they're money. They bring Kentucky, in attraction. Well, yeah, you get a Kentucky or a Duke team on a. Eight, nine, seven, ten game, man. Look out for that second round game when they play a one or a two because it's going to be havoc. Yeah. No, I mean you hit it right on the head. And in North Carolina, that's what happened to them was the last year. They ended up on the eight nine line. Yeah. Um, got through. So and yeah, it's like you look ahead of yourself and you've got these teams with these blue blood names. And you're like, what the heck? And you look at the rosters; they're still talented. Like all the issues with these teams are basically X and O related or chemistry yeah. related. So if they figure it out. Yeah, you're, it's going to be probably the worst seeded tournament probably before they started really using analytics. Like, it's pretty funny. If you ever want to see something funny, go back and look. Go on a site like Ken Palm and go look at the seedings versus his rankings from, like, 2005 on. And you look at some teams, and they had no chance, and they didn't even know it because the, the teams in their, their side of the bracket were just so much stacked. It was so e- unevenly distributed. And yeah. they've actually done a really good job like the last two or three years of kind of working with all these different analytical systems now there's a lot of people in this pool so you can kind of use all these ratings to get it kind of more balanced out but i agree this year is gonna be a mess because i don't know what you go on because you look at nobody's really hot except for the five teams that have been on the top everyone's kind of just like up and down like they have a good little one week stretch where they beat knock some people off the next week they go and lose at home to somebody they shouldn't and then they have a real close game against somebody they shouldn't and you're like okay well which team is that team is it the one that beat the two ranked teams last week or is it the two teams that struggled and you have so many of those teams. There's like you can literally expand it two rounds this year, and you would just have this whole glut where you can never see it because it's just that whole like thirty team mass that pretty much hasn't separated itself from anything. I know. I, I know one thing. Getting ready for my uh, Vegas trip for March Madness is coming up. I love that I get in on Wednesday and I get the bet on a play-in game. One of these eleven seed games, these play-ins, is going to be absolute craziness. If you look right now. Look who it is. It's Michigan versus West Virginia and Wisconsin versus Mississippi State. Those are going to be two amazing games. Oh, just absolutely. To get, to get in. And then then that team, if they catch a little bit of fire just from that game, look out, man. It, I, a, a six seed is going to go down round one, too. So we're, we're going to get we're going to get ready for some some power five conferences that are going to beat up on some uh, no namers here. If I'm not mistaken, didn't a play in game last year go to like double overtime? There was it, maybe it was either it was, wasn't it San Francisco went to like double yeah, overtime? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was that was in, uh, that game was incredible. It was like ninety something, ninety four, ninety one, or something like that. It was awesome. So Matt, you're gonna get great games out there. Um, yeah. 
I actually would kind of like to see the Rock fight if they could almost reseed those and do like a Mississippi State, West Virginia and just see who comes out because defensively both teams are stacked. That would just be a slugfest, and I would love to. Well, <laughs> it might be a 47-42 game, but it's going to be a slugfest in that one. It would be awesome if they did that, and also if they paired up the Big Ten teams to face each other again for the third or fourth time potentially. The game we just had, I mean, Hunter Dickinson hit a three as time expired. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want that? That felt like a tournament game, and you know that they'd be series is one one per se. So then, if they were to match up, it's whoever takes the series, like you said, Big Ten matchup for the third time. That would be incredible, and and I think would almost draw a bigger viewership uh, across the country to have that matchup in a play in, knowing that it's a high stakes game. There's bad blood, and and it's to get into the tournament. I mean, to me, that's essentially like the Big Ten championship game almost. One thing we talked about off air is you wanted to kind of go over like hot and cold teams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right now, right now the committee is really grinding away and saying, Hey, who's, who's some hot teams. So I wrote a couple down. Obviously I said, Kentucky Gonzaga right now is on fire. Scorching. Yeah. And it's crazy. Again, if you look at this bracketology, they have uh, the Zags as a three seed yet. St. Mary's who's on par with them is a five seed. But so I'm okay. Well, yeah, their conference tourney is going to be huge. I mean, it, that could be a flip flop for seeding when it comes to the tournament. So, what if St. Mary's actually upsets Gonzaga? Does St. Mary's then get a three seed and the Zags drop to a five? Uh, anybody who thinks uh, playing the Zags at a five as a bonus is nuts because that's not a five seed. They're they're probably they probably realistically are a three seed. Maybe if they get that five seed, they'll win a national title because anytime they're a one, two, or three, they you know, they're favorited to win in, in almost every matchup and they just choke at the end. Uh, so maybe it's kind of what they need, if, if I'm being dead honest. Um, it almost was kind of like that with UNC last year. Like, new coach, they had some good players. They had Manic, they had Baycott. You know, they had a good guard. And they didn't really play well in, in the regular season. And they, they, like, they are, you know, that happened this year. Or, or well, they dropped, they were, what, an eight seed last year? Nine seed? I think Who's eight. That? UNC Carolina yeah yeah yeah. they were the uh, eight seed yeah eight seed so they they got hot at the right moment and they made a run so maybe that's kind of what Gonzaga needs is maybe a lower seed then get on that hot because it is kind of disrespectful especially to UNC to Gonzaga to see uh, a non one two or three number to them um, and, and it, they, they take pride in that um, and another team I kind of think is getting hot with that is Michigan now I'm not going to say they're as hot as Gonzaga right now. I'm not saying that their offense is running as purely as Gonzaga right now. But maybe Michigan kind of gets an 8 or a 9 seed or the 11 seed and makes a run because they feel disrespected. They're getting hot. Now, I do think Juwan Howard's going to hurt them in the tournament in some facet. I think he's going to make a boneheaded coaching decision like he does time and time again. Uh, (laughs) I hate to trash it, but it's true. Smitty knows it. He doesn't even want him to be there. Um, but Michigan's a hot team right now, as well as Wisconsin. So those two teams right there could easily make a run out of the 11 seed. And I would hate to to match up with Dickinson. Uh, the the guard Doug McDaniel's really he's a freshman, but he's playing at this point. He started a lot. He's playing like a true veteran. He's scoring, which is nice. And they have is it Butkin Buffkin? He's shooting the ball lights out right now. So they're a dangerous late you know late seed team if they can get in. The, the problem with them though, Q, is they're three and 10 against the top teams, which is, this is true. This is true. So they, they, they beat up 
they beat up the the little guys and then they struggle against anybody who puts up a good touche. Power yeah, touche. So. Fair enough. Um. All right. Who are some cold teams? Would you say? Actually, I'll t- I'll give you a hot team actually real quick before we transition, and they could actually not make the tournament, and it's crazy. College of Charleston is going to have to essentially run into Hofstra. Is kind of how the bracket seems to be uh, laid out, and how they're going to play out. The winner of that gets obviously the automatic bid outside of their you know for their conference, but outside of that, the loser is probably not getting an at-large bid according to Joe Lenardi. And that's a problem for me. I mean, if Charleston goes into this to end the season with four losses, um, and I think Hofstra has less, that's a problem that they're not in the tournament. I think they'll get. I think if that happens to you, I think they'll get one of the playing games. <sighs> I hope. I, I mean, they shouldn't. They should be an at large. When you were twenty three and three, or wherever they are at that point, you should have to do a playing game. To me, in my honest opinion, you you should well, be one of the fifteen non-play-in games or something like that. You shouldn't have to do a play-in. Let's spin that completely different, though. If uh, your sports books, whatever site you use, has a NIT bet to see who could win it, it wouldn't be worse, or it wouldn't be too bad to actually see if they offer College of Charleston to win the NIT or Hofstra. Because one of those two could get burned. Now, we don't even know who's in the NIT. But yeah, if yeah. one of those two gets burned and doesn't get in, that's a, that's a pretty good-looking team to get in the NIT. Oh, it's a great future. Jason, why don't you start us off? Why don't you give us your cold teams? Well, say, well the Hofstra's biggest issue is that they played two really good teams this year, St. Mary's and Purdue, and yeah. they got absolutely smashed in both those games. Like, yeah. they don't have the resume. Charleston at least has a little bit of a resume. Yeah. So, I think they have a shot. They just need to make sure that nobody sneaks in or nobody gets hot um, coming through the back door of the big conferences. So, I think that's the biggest issue there. Well, I think uh, Charleston plays better defense as well. I think they're they're physical. The cool teams, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of tough. These Big 12 teams are kind of confusing me right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, they're, a little, they're a little hot and cold. Like, Tech's kind of coming on, and you see Iowa State doing their best to get themselves out of the tournament. <laughs> like they were a lot. Well, they just kicked off their best three-point shooter, so <laughs> that doesn't help their cause. So I had them the other night against West Virginia. I felt pretty good at that game. And then somehow West Virginia gets a um, flagrant two file and it turns into a five point play for West Virginia. It basically took away the entire lead for Iowa State and they never looked back. West Virginia rolled after that. It's yeah. like, so your guy got thrown out of the game basically. And somehow it was like, it was like hockey when someone starts to fight yeah. when they're down like two goals to get the team motivated. And basically, this is what it turned into for West Virginia. So I would put Iowa State clearly on that list. Uh, I don't know. The, the hot teams are getting my attention. Like Iowa, and Michigan State, and Michigan are kind of coming on in the Big Ten. Um, so yeah. I'm kind of like that. Indiana's been doing fine. Rutgers actually is a team I would put a little bit on a cold streak there. They can't score. Um, well, I think they rely heavily on the rack as well. Yeah, it was, I mean, I think you got to look for teams that really rely on the home court. Maryland could be one of those teams as well. They're struggling tonight here against Ohio State on the road. They just haven't fared that well. And they have yeah. to do a nice home court advantage there. Probably one of the best arenas in the Big Ten when you look at the size. And oh, yeah. Stuff. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think you could put Providence in that then, too, because they can't really win outside of the amp. So I would think NC State's a little iffy right now. I would say they're, they kind of have uh, hit the wall, and uh, they can't play defense like we've talked about on our text, and it's starting to hurt them. Bad loss at Duke. Bad loss against Clemson. Really bad loss there at home. It was a seven-point favorite. I guess the Clemson team, it was kind of losing its way. Um, 
So, I mean, they're out there. They're usually in the big conferences. I think the smaller conferences have kind of taken care of that stuff. There's, it, that's what's kind of interesting. We did our little bracket amongst ourselves, the smaller yeah. conferences. And almost every conference, the team that is the one seed has played really well over the last month. That's not usually the case. I think Eastern Washington was funny. I think Brian was on our show last week. He kind of jinxed them. They're yeah. the only one that's kind of fallen off a little bit here in the last week where they had a great run. They were undefeated through conference and they lost their last two games. Um, it's probably just a lot of averages catching up to them. It's nothing serious. But if you look overall, most of the teams that are the one of their two seed are coming in with like five and oh, four and one in their last five. So everyone's kind of playing their best here. It's kind of a little tricky to figure out who to fade at this point. Can I, can we talk about a team real quick? Cause I, I'm just checking scores cause I'm seeing if I'm winning or losing money. Vanderbilt. Are, I mean, they're trying their best to make a little statement. They're up today, uh, up seven on the road at Kentucky, but they're starting to make a little run there. I don't know what's going on, but uh, they're you know they they handled Florida on the road, which Florida obviously had Colin Castle at that time, and and it's not the easiest place to play. I'm not saying it's it's easy or hard, uh, but they beat Auburn, they beat South Carolina, they beat Tennessee, they've beat a tougher Ole Miss team. Now they did get you know now they're they've got Mississippi State which is a quality game. Are they making themselves a win or two away from a potential playing game or something? Because they're putting a good resume in their last 10 games. They are. They can shoot. That's why they do well in the SEC. Because yeah. that's a league that where almost every team besides Alabama doesn't shoot very well. Um, they, play, they play some great defense. And they play great two-point defense because you don't even have to guard the three-point line except for Vanderbilt and yeah. Alabama. They got a win I against think, Pitt that I'm looking their biggest issue is Pitt's their best win at a conference. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think they have a real – well, they have South Carolina, Florida, their best road win. So, I think that's going to hurt them too. Uh, NC State was a game that kind of slipped away from them there. That was yeah. a nice win. Yeah. Um, so, they're kind of there. I think I, I can see them kind of being off the bubble unless they make a really good run in the SEC tournament. And then they would have to knock somebody off from the SEC. I don't think that that league will get another team. So, yeah, um, they need a little help um, that way. But you, know, you look at it, you can see Mississippi State dropping out, maybe. Um, you can see some of those teams are a little bit uh, sketchy there at the end of the SEC. Um, yeah. Because like I said, nobody shoots really well. They all play defense really well. So yeah. if you get cold, you, you can't win if you can't score. Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out another cold team, and it bit you guys kind of this weekend. I think it bit Smitty. Oklahoma State coming oh, in yeah. dropping dropping five straight. Now, it, again, it goes back to Jason saying – kind of like attrition in the big 12 because they're yeah. just beating the tar out of each other. Yeah. But I don't think they're that good. Um, I don't I either. actually think I would, I think Iowa state's a better squad than they are, but losing their, their one guy is going to hurt. Uh, Iowa state could can't allow score them. consistently. Yeah. yeah. But it could allow like a team now like Texas tech, like Jason said, that could sneak in, which is yeah. a sneaky team to kind of look at for a conference play because the big guys are getting in Texas, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kansas, Baylor, TCU. Kansas state. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Kansas State. I, I, I love like their too. coach. Yeah, I got a future on them. I like that a lot. What are you sitting at on the future? Uh, it may have been thirty to one. I like that a lot. I'll tell you. Yeah, it's, Keontae it's Johnson worth a, worth a flyer. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be a two or three seed potentially. So. Yeah, they've got that really good guard. He shoots. I think he's oh. averages like sixteen or seventeen points a game. And then Keontae Johnson averages almost a twenty point game. And that guy yeah. can play a four, a five, or a three and hit the three consistently. That team's sneaky. I like that ticket you have. And, uh, a nice cool team that we missed, that we've all been burned by is Illinois. Oh, 
Well, like you, who said? I don't remember. It was one of you two were like they can be Final Four bound or they could be first out. I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll it, I'll I'll say it was not me. Yeah. Brian Robinson said that they can go out easily in the first round, or they could get hot and get to the final eight. It, it, you see the team, and you see like the talent, but then you see them play, and you're like, oh god, like it's it's kind of brutal. I don't know if you saw Michael Meyer. <laughs> I was just getting bringing that up. <laughs> Michael <laughs> he, he Meyer. He finally practiced today because he overdid it on energy drinks while playing video games. Five monsters that'll do it for you. <laughs> it's like how hey. are you, dude? <laughs> but. Yeah, no, you're 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 right. I mean, they're extremely cold. I don't see how they make. Well, they were down like they're twenty in. points to Northwestern. They come back and they win that game at home uh, from unbelievable guard play in the second half. Um, then they just lay an egg on the road to a like a ten and nineteen or eleven and eighteen Ohio State team that you just could not lose to. That was a brutal loss. Now they're going to get in, like you guys said, but I, I'll tell you right now, like. That's who I, it would have to be a brutal matchup for them for me to take them because they could lose in the first round, and that's the problem. Like, I, I would be better off just not even risking the money on a team like that and saying, well, you know, they, they made a run versus, you know, losing the money to a team that they should never lose to and laying big or, or however you bet, you know, responsibly. That would irritate me the most, I think, because they're so good on paper and you, we, we see them play up to such a high level, but then they also could be below this table I'm sitting at. So I think I think one other quick point before our guest potentially comes on. A team to keep an eye on now, who I said last week was Tennessee, who I am not high on. Neither am I they can't score. And they just lost one of their best players, the Kai Ziegler, tore his ACL done. I saw that. Huge huge blow. I mean that they're they're on the three line right now. That's a potential the first or second game exit from the SEC tournament potentially and yeah. maybe drop them down on the five line. Now, it does make them dangerous on the five line, but uh, that they don't scare me. Yeah. Uh, they, without without a guy like that, yeah, they don't scare me at all. So I actually foresee a early round exit by the Vols. Sorry, Vols fans. All right, I just want to, before we switch to college baseball, I want to give out two plays. I've already sent them in our group chat, but they're two futures. Uh, so get him in. So take Oral Roberts. I know it's laying juice. It's minus 175. Take Oral Roberts to win the summit. I think that's a lock. I don't think anybody's even close to beating them. And then take Gonzaga at minus 130 to win the their conference, the WAC, or WC, yeah, w, West Coast Conference, because you never catch them at minus 130. And then I think if they match up with, with St. Mary's, which they typically do in the finals, double down because I think Gonzaga is playing so hot right now that they're going to win that game and they're going to continue to make a good run in the tournament. I think you can double your money there. So minus 130, Gonzaga, minus 175, or Roberts. And that finishes. I think Gonzaga's biggest challenge is actually the semifinal. Uh, we'll probably get Santa Clara. I, I think St. Mary's is a, it's a bad matchup uh, with Gonzaga. Like the, yeah. They're just too big for the St. Mary's guards. And that one two two, which – the most basic three-quarter court trap you can run, Gonzaga just gives them fits with it. And it's, it's, it's funny, like, St. Mary's is still haven't figured it out, so I think that's a really good bet. I was actually speculating, on the West Coast, you can get Santa Clara and BYU at, like, 30-1 to 1 and 40-1. to 1. They basically win two games to get to uh, the tournament. Is that, is that a decent bet? I mean, can they actually knock off one of those two, Goliaths? I mean, they have one. And Will and Marymount has actually beat both of these teams. Yeah. 
I, I think season. odds odds like you have to lay it, but realistically, I don't see it. I think Gonzaga's just playing too hot right now. I, I think mean, St. Mary's is playing too hot right now. They're they're a solid I mean, I team. Think I think it's a good fun fun money. Yeah, you put ten dollars I mean, on it, and you know, you yeah, win. it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Keeps you way more interested in little late night action. Yeah, well, you can always hedge against it too. It's like you've got four hundred dollars yeah. on one side, and then you yeah. can bet whatever Gonzaga or St. Yeah, Mary's no, in. that's true. I mean, you you definitely play a hedge point there, so. All right, let's transition to college baseball. Like I said, it's a growing sport. We've got one of the better guys on. Uh, I just want to make sure he's there. Jeff, do we have is, – is Matt with us? He's not with us. Okay. All right, so he – stand by. We will figure out where he's at. That's uh, kill time. All right, have you guys well, – no, let's, let's go over this, you because you're probably the baseball expert here. Okay. So what is, how do you bet college baseball? What's unique about college baseball from actually – from Major League Baseball? Because, I mean, that, to me – you got me hooked last year on it. Um, I'm still probably a postseason guy, but I'm, I'm going to get more into the regular season this year. But, like, what's the difference between, like, you know, a three-game series in the MLB versus a three-game series in college? Um, I, I think run production, obviously. I think I think fans or general fans outside of, like, us, we look at analytics. We look at, you know, good things like that. And, and the average fan just wants runs. I think especially in the South, you know, it, it's, it's grown because a lot of the states like Mississippi – you know, Louisiana, like they don't have a major league team. So they're all in on these, these power SEC teams who have these top one, top two round draft picks who we all end up seeing in the pros. They're seeing them at a, at, at an even more elite level because at the pros, you're facing everybody who's just as good as you, if not better. In college baseball, you could throw a 98 and you're a legend because you're playing an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid. So I think that's what kind of makes it interesting is like like Chase Dollinger. He's he's going to be the either the top pick or the second pick to the Nationals uh, if the Pirates pass on him. The guy throws you know, close to 100 miles an hour. He's an electric show out of Nashville uh, for the Tennessee Vols. Like to see him pitch is just incredible and the power and dominance he has at that level. But then on the other side, then you you go to Tennessee's offense, and they've got guys like last year, like Jordan Beck. He was you know high flashy guy, could play really well, could hit for some power. You know you've got Tony Vitalo, he's kind of like the Bobby Cox, like a really young version, and I think that kind of fires it up. But then you go to these midweek games, and like last night, there you had two total top opposite midweeks. You had Texas LSU, so you had number one team in the country have to win on a three run bomb in the ninth inning. But then you also had Florida, another good team, who hung 18 runs on a team. But they also, even though they're a top 10 team, they were playing a team who had no business playing against them in a weekend series. So they do these home and homes, uh, typically in the state of Florida. They put up eight runs against Florida's pitchers, and these midweek guys can give up some runs. And you see a 26-run game, uh, but you can also three a th- see a 3 nothing game. So I think just the variance there to me uh, from a – a generalized fan aspect is pretty cool. You know, you see 13, 12 a lot, you know, 10, 8, and I think that's what people want to see. So your best starter in a, in a college rotation goes what day, Friday or Saturday? Your number one goes Friday to Saturday, and then someplace, that, like if you have a dominant three or you have three good guys, you'll throw him consistently on Sundays. Uh, sometimes it'll be a bullpen day or you'll split it. Like, you'll have two guys that are probably starters on most teams, in, you know, lower division one. They'll throw mm-hmm. three or four innings each and try to almost get you to that seventh inning. Um, it's kind of dependent on what your staff has. Like, Florida right now, 
and I'll just use them as an example. So they've got a stud number one, stud number two. Their number three guy is coming back from injury. So right now they actually have their DH pitching. Who it's it's working out for them, but they initially went into it with Pierce Capala going to be the number one guy. He's delayed on his rehab. So Caglione was going to get some starts. Another guy was going to get some starts and just try to figure out like who does what well and who's kind of streaky at this point to get ready for the College World Series and get those experienced innings. So Q, Q by stud for Florida, do you mean Andrew Painter, who, the, who got drafted by the Phillies? In, well, in well, that was, I'm not going to lie, that was before my time. <laughs> What do you mean before your time? Aaron, I, Aaron, I don't even know who that is, and I studied Florida. He's their, he's the the Phillies prospect from Florida. Come on, man. When? When was he playing? He's not. He's playing for Florida right now. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. He well, he's not getting much playing time. I thought you meant he got drafted. I was like, I've never heard of a painter get drafted. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, he got drafted. Yeah, yeah, but he's not playing right now. I mean, he's sitting the bench essentially. But is is he not a stud? Not not on the team that they have right now. Will he? Most likely. But he, he... why don't we throw this to the expert to get this cleared up? <laughs> All right, fair <laughs> enough. All right, so we've got now that we've got him, we've got Matt Grissom. What's going on, Matt? Notebook wager in here. Love to talk college baseball with you. Love having you come on with us. What's going on, guys? I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, no worries. <laughs> uh, That's what we've done for two years. So you're right on par. <laughs> That's, Matt, I'm just trying to figure out that terrific salad you got going on there. <laughs> Your hair, man. That's um, <laughs> hey, that's uh, Vegas has kicked my ass for the last I don't know five days. I've been out here, and I just literally got out of bed about thirty minutes ago. <laughs> I uh, I tried to drink all of the city of their alcohol last night. <laughs> well, save, save a little for me because I'm going to be there in two weeks. Got <laughs> it happens. It got it got Smitty and I last year. It's it's getting Matt's gonna get his fix this year. He got it last year as well. Uh so save him some. Get you a monster energy drink. Those work really well. Uh college basketball player actually just had caffeine poisoning from him, so that's you can't drink five of them. That is a disclaimer. Just stick to one. I saw that. That's <laughs> insane. I don't know who can stomach drinking five of them. Uh, I did I drink a lot of them, but not uh, not five. So all right, Matt. Let's kind of get this on. Why don't you? Um, why don't you get us started? First off, are you permanently in Vegas? No, I'm not. I'm okay. based out of Arkansas. Okay. All right. Little Arkansas action there. I like it. How'd you yeah. kind of get started in the college baseball? Was it following Arkansas, or did you follow maybe another Southeast conference like a Big Twelve team growing up? Like, how did you get involved in college baseball and find love for it? Uh, so actually, I wasn't really ever into baseball. I played grew- growing up. Uh, but it was my son that got me into baseball. I ended up coaching his team. Uh, he's 11 now. He started when he was four or five, and I just fell in love with the game. Uh, as I've gotten older, I've kind of just grown to have the patience for it, where, you know, growing up, I didn't really care to watch it because I thought it was boring. Um, but, yeah, I, I love the sport now. It's, it's probably right up there with college football. Honestly, just because of the handicapping now, you can you can sports bet it. And before, you know, you didn't. I mean, now we're getting like midweek games for DraftKings. It's hanging a line on, and that's awesome. I mean, that's just going to help grow popularity. People need something in these 
you know, this lull between the Super Bowl, March Madness, and then this summer, you've got the College World Series, which, you know, we, we killed it last year and can't wait to do the same. But, uh, you know, adding, adding that element of being able to bet the sport definitely helped me get into it. And I, uh, for whatever reason, I, I found a lot of success in it. I feel like when a book hangs a number, I know based on my research that it's so limited anyways, but the book, the book's going off the same information, if not less information than I've got. And that just comes from hours of scrolling Twitter and finding out these teams lineups and, you know, who's out, who's sick, uh, what pitcher's starting, just any information you can get. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is kind of how do you, because the information is so limited, you know, you have D1 Baseball obviously putting things out, great information. You have 11.7, Ben Upton putting things out as well. Like where are you, what are your kind of go-to research uh, points or maybe sites or information that you kind of key in on um, because the information is so limited? Uh, Literally D1 Baseball and Twitter. I go back and forth (laughs) on all the time. Fair enough. It's, I mean, because the team, the team pages, they post the starting lineups. They post who's going to pitch yeah. every day. So if you just, you know, you follow a bunch of college baseball team Twitter pages, that's where you find out the information. And you saw it just the other day at LSU versus Texas. Nobody knew who LSU was pitching. That line came out the night before. I, I think I got LSU minus 110 or 120. And by the time that they had announced it was heard going, it had, it had jumped all the way to minus 185. Yeah, you definitely stole money there, so that was awesome. Um, let me ask you this. So, And, and this is uh, normally we have a, another host in studio. He's sick tonight. Uh, but he did have a question, and then I'll let the other guys kind of veer into some stuff they have. So he kind of wants to know, like, when you prepare for a weekend series, you know, like I was explaining to these guys, your number ones are Fridays, your two Saturdays, and then – Sundays is either a decent three or kind of a mixed bag pitching. When you prepare for like a midweek game versus a weekend game, like what do you kind of, what do you differentiate? Do you look at different bets, maybe like uh, a money line on a Friday or Saturday, and then maybe like an over on the midweek because typically you have bottom tier pitching, you know, on paper, like what, what's your strategy for a midweek versus a weekend? Yeah, definitely Friday night with the aces going, it's typically an underplay. Those, those numbers are usually going to be nine and a half, ten and a half, something like that. Yep. Uh, but it also just depends on kind of what, what – you've got a lot of classics going on for right now. I think there's like four this weekend upcoming yeah. where they'll switch through. And, and what you saw last week in Round Rock, you know, Iowa gets the doors blown off of them. But I, I had given out that I loved Iowa the second day versus LSU. And I think we ended up cashing that at like plus two forty. But um, yeah, that, that was a winner. With the, yeah, with the with the weekend series like this, where it's a little tournament, you know, you're getting great baseball. But I think a lot of these teams are kind of planning. Okay, we're we're probably not going to beat Paul Skeens on Friday night, so let's throw so and so and try to steal one or two on Saturday, Sunday, something like that. So sure. it just all kind of goes back to knowing knowing kind of the layout of the tournament and figuring out where you can find those pockets to the best place your bets in. Matt, I'll, I'll go next. Um, you perfect segue from the round rock, uh, this past week, we saw how good Dylan Cruz is. Our teams, I know they can't give him the major league treatment 
our team's going to basically start to pitch around this guy since he hit 715 last week. <laughs> I I don't see how you can keep throwing to him right now. I mean, you you would expect him to fall off a little bit. Nobody can can stay that hot. But, yeah, LSU's a wagon right now. And I we can get into that later about, you know, futures bets. But LSU, Circuit's got it plus 700 right now, and, and that's looking pretty good. Pretty damn good right now, Jason. That's probably my question too. Is, is this at the point of the season where you really can't look at records unless it's a team you kind of are not expecting to be there? Because it sounds like everyone's playing everybody, and it's kind of like building up that strength of schedule for the tournament. Is that kind of what's going on right now? Like, is, can you kind of take out, throw out a record if someone's like two and five if they've played a really good schedule so far? Because it'll turn yeah. Out. Yeah, you're getting a lot of top 25 matchups early on. Those games really don't mean a whole lot for the longevity of the season. It's all going to come down to conference play. I know Q was down on – Q was a little bit low on Vandy. I'm actually still kind of high on Vandy, and I love Enrique Bradfield. The dude is just electric on the base. Has. It, they're out of the gate slow, though. Are there, is that kind of a team that you look, might look at to go as a futures bet on? You know, it's it's hard this far out. I mean, I didn't give out any preseason bets, I don't think, on odds to win the World Series. Maybe Wake Forest was one of them. But the number was just not there. I mean, you, you're probably going to get the same, unless it's LSU or a Tennessee, you know, one of those heavy favorites. That's probably the only ones you could bet now that are are going to be lower at the start of the regionals. You know, like Ole Miss came in last year. I can't even remember preseason. They were one of the top three favorites to win it all. But then once Omaha started, they were down at the bottom as far as the biggest odds to win. You just never know. I mean, it's all about pitching. I've said you've got to have two and a half guys to win it all. And meaning a Friday starter, Saturday starter, and then a really good reliever or closer that could come in. And – that Ole Miss with with the pitching pitching rotation they had late that just came on and mixed that with their batting, like Ole Miss was just unstoppable. Nobody was beating them last year, and to think that you could have gotten that big of a number on them, and I can't think of what it was off the top of my head, but that you know just just be patient, wait, watch how the season works itself out, and. You know, like I said, the only one that I would lean towards betting right now would be LSU and maybe Wake Forest. Those two teams are are, are pretty pretty good. Matt, I'm going to throw one at you, and this is a, a home pick, an objective pick. But I'm looking here. So Florida to win the College World Series is plus 1,300. I, I think they're so dominant offensively. I I th- Last year they made it to the regionals. They essentially were two pitches away. They had a rain out. Or rain delay, I think, cost them an opportunity to go to the Super Regionals last year with a much worse team. I think Florida at, at plus 1,300 right now, I think it's going to get lower because I think they're going to get stronger. They're missing their bona fide number three, Pierce Capala, and I think he's going to make that team even better because then you can throw Capala or Caglione, who has pitched really well for for playing, you know, the kind of the the Otani role of, of DH, uh, a little bit of first base, and then pitching as their number three. So I think that's maybe another team to where 
like you said, some teams maybe aren't going to be lower, but I think they have the talent offensively as well as pitching. Now their bullpen's a little shaky, but they they became really good last year towards the end of the season, and I think they'll work those problems out being so early in the year that I think maybe they're worth laying money now because you might lose that plus 1300 It might go down to like a plus 750 and I think you could short yourself a few hundred bucks there. Yeah. I, I like that. Circa's uh, got it at plus fourteen hundred. So oh, there you go. So you get a better number. Yeah, they're the only and other team though. That... Go ahead. No, I was just saying. I think they're the only other team where you're potentially going to see a lower number. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Wake, Florida, they're probably both going to go down. Yeah. Um, LSU, yeah, Tennessee. I don't know what Tennessee's deal is that. They, I know they got off to a slow start. Grand Canyon, hats off to them. They're a good ball club. But uh, Tennessee just doesn't look like they've got it, whatever that is. It was last year's team. I mean, it's the same pitching rotation, so it's it's odd that they're struggling as much as they are. But, How many that you think is related to uh, Vitalis' suspension? Well, I, you know, who knows what's going to go on with that. And I haven't looked today if there are any new, any new news with it. But um, that's... Uh, that Florida, Florida Tennessee series in early April is going to be, that's going to be awesome. And then I think the Gators have Miami this weekend too, which is going to help tell us a lot about Florida how good how good they could actually be. I'm actually down on Miami. They've got a little more pop in the bats than they had last year, but I think they're they're very you know swing and miss, and I, and I don't think they have the pitching to kind of make a run, whether it's in a three game series or. In a tournament, I mean, they have a good closer, uh, but they really don't have a bona fide number one this year. I think they've got a, a bunch of you know twos and threes and a mediocre bullpen. Um, I know it's early in the season, but the way they kind of struggled against Penn State, they should have lost that series. They ended the year last year like that uh, against Ole Miss. They had opportunities to take Ole Miss out of the tournament, and obviously, Ole Miss gets you know the uh, the benefit of that doubt, and they ended up making a run and went in the College World Series, but. Miami let them do that, and I think it's a continuing trend, and I actually think Miami's going to fire their coach after this season. I, I think Florida is going to at least take two or three, if not a series sweep here. So as as it is being a ranked matchup, I think it's actually a little more lopsided than than what the numbers are going to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm really anxious to see what that line's going to be. What do you think and it's going to be? Plus, I mean, I think you've got to make Florida at least like minus 180, 185, something like that. I would bet it up to minus 200. I, I think Florida's that good. What are some other matchups you're looking for this weekend? Uh, the Ole Miss-Maryland game, that's the Cambria Classic. They just got done playing a series where <laughs> Ole Miss took one of two. It was a fireworks show, or one of three. Um, but if Sabacool's going Friday night, that was the guy that beat them in their last last weekend series. And I got them plus 185 last week. That, that number's probably not going to be there. I think they've realized that this these two ball clubs are too evenly matched for somebody to be plus 185. But uh, that's going to be a good one. And then uh, this Texas A&M-Louisville game on Friday, too, in the Shriners Classic, that, that should be a really good, fun game, too. What's your thought? Although A&M's struggling right now. I was just getting ready to bring that up. Uh, let the other boys jump in after this, but A and M they're struggling right now. Also, now I will say this: last night, Austin Bose and Trevor Warner, probably their 
preseason two best hitters i would say on the team they they were struggling both batting like under 200 both of them had a, a, a decent game last last night both had a home run so maybe that kind of gets them sparked do you think A&M's going to have this this issue later on as we get into SEC play, or do you think they're going to kind of work their their issues out and, and kind of be there for another run? I don't know. I mean, uh, Schlossnagel is a great coach. You feel like he's probably going to get it figured out. You've seen other good teams struggle throughout the season. I mean, Ar- Arkansas does it. Ole Miss did it last year where they just dropped the – they didn't seem like they could win, and then – by the end of the season, they kind of get everything clicking at the right time, and then they start surprising people. But you, the fun thing about baseball is that the schedule is so long for you know what it is, and you get a team that gets hot at the right time. It really doesn't matter if they're you know thirty and twenty if they get in and and the pitching is there, the hitters start hitting. Who knows, man? You can you can win in Omaha pretty pretty easily if you've got a good pitching rotation and some consistent hitting. Absolutely. Matt or Jason, do you guys have anything? Uh, I'm going to ask a, a kind of an odd question. So growing up, uh, not even growing up, even in the 2000s, early 2000s, we used to see teams like Long Beach, Pepper, Pepperdine, Cal State, Fullerton dominate college baseball. What has happened to schools like that? Is, is it just basically turned into an SEC bias again and everybody just wants to go down there? Or is there something we're missing as just normal Joes checking out those schools that we used to see all the time? It's transfer portal. I think you you get a guy that's got an opportunity, like Jared Wagner coming from Creighton to Arkansas this year, who's been outstanding. You know, Creighton – Creighton's not televised in their baseball games. And it's Arkansas is, but it's on ESPN plus. But I think the opportunity to get to like to go to Globe Life and play in in that tournament two weekends ago and the just the opportunities, the facilities are better at these power five schools. Uh and I, I keep going back to Arkansas. They've I saw a tweet a couple of days ago that said that the average Oakland A's baseball attendance was like 6,000 lower than what Arkansas's average weekend series population is. Uh, and that's awesome. You don't get that at these smaller schools. Um, we, me and my buddy joked about going and seeing the UNLV Washington State game the other day. Tickets were six bucks, and there were like 80 people there. And that was probably all family. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you were screaming because you had a line in like the seventh inning you needed covered because that just makes it I, even better. <laughs> I did. I bet Washington State and it was a fantastic game. It was like nine nine in the night. Uh, Washington State ended up winning by a run. I love it. Good good times. And then just a quick question: uh, since you're out in Vegas, what's the best restaurant you've eaten out at, at out there? Man, I'm partial. I always stay at Circa, and I always have to eat at Barry's Steakhouse, which is yeah. down in the basement. Yep. That's, yeah. Bone-in filet, lobster mac and cheese. I, that's my go-to. Are you going to be – I want to go there. Be, I want to go there because there's a, a rumor. Well, it's not a rumor. It's actually truth that if Barry is actually cooking, which he does, mm-hmm. that there's a special order lobster dish you can get that he will make. But yeah. only he does it. So. He in. He walks around and, and he makes the desserts a lot of times if you do the table side stuff. Yeah. It's pretty uh, cool. It's I'll, I'll be out there in two weeks, so might be dropping in. Yeah, you need to. 
Matt, are you going to be at the College World Series? <laughs> Maybe Arkansas is there. Um, I, <laughs> they got to find some pitching. Every year I say, yeah, I know. I, I don't know. We're struggling right now. We barely beat Illinois State today. Um, but then, you know, we we had Kevin Cox do his thing, and we dropped to NC State in the Super Regional. Yeah. It, which seemed like the team of destiny back when that happened, and you hate that COVID ruined yeah. their chances of getting to play. But you just never know with these teams, man. It, Tennessee last year had a fantastic season, and then just for whatever reason, they can't. They, they can't get past that past that final push. It's like they the tank is empty at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they just ran into a buzzsaw. Notre Dame. It was playing perfection baseball, um, and that's going to happen. Uh, it, it's unfortunate. You know, it probably would have made the College World Series better. I was actually out there last year. I've been out the last couple years, and with the exception of like the semifinals and on, the games were blowouts. They really weren't appeasing to the crowd. Uh, you know. Notre Dame really had no business being there. Uh, their World Series, in my opinion, was beating Tennessee. They really didn't have a great showing out there. Um, but it happens. I mean, Arkansas, like you said, they, you know, they're a team that probably would have won it a year or two ago, uh, but they didn't. Obviously, because of COVID, um, they've lost, you know, to NC State a couple years ago. Now NC State had a good showing, and they got screwed out of the College World Series uh, by NCAA, uh, which is unfortunate, but. Anything can happen. I mean, I, I tout my Florida Gators here, and they could be out in the regionals. You just never know. But if 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 you're if Arkansas is in the College World Series, now my wife's my wife's pregnant, and I don't know if I, she's due around Memorial Day, so I don't know if she's going to let me. But I did tell her. I said if I if Florida makes it, I will take a twenty four hour trip. There there's no telling me not, and uh, so hopefully I'll be able to to squeak out there for at least a game or two. Yeah, man. Yeah. You lied on that out in Vegas. You take the no on that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that's what worries me about going. Is I was there for the two games that we dropped to NC State in that Super Regional after that fantastic season. And I can't think, but you know that it's your fault. You were there. That's why we lost. <laughs> I'm super, superstitious, so I know it. Yeah, absolutely. And last year we kept we kept winning, and you know we got down with Ole Miss, and it was that final game. And, I'm like, yep. If if we lose, it's because I'm I'm not there. And then you know we lost anyways, but it didn't matter. <laughs> but I would love to go. I, all my friends have been out there. They all said it was a great time. That's actually when my birthday is. It's June 17th, so I get to celebrate all June long with college baseball. Oh, I love it. I love it. Make if do yourself a favor, make the trip. You, I'll say this: even if your team's not there, my I've never got to see my team there, you know, in person, but. Just that atmosphere. Uh, I've been through a World Series run with the Nationals, and and the College World Series uh, is by far the better uh, atmosphere, in my opinion. And if I can always make it back on a yearly basis, I will always do that. It's incredible. Uh, The love for baseball you just see out there is truly pure. Uh, you know they're not worried about pitch clocks and things like that. They're they're there, you know, chanting their SEC team or or Big Twelve team, and it's it's really cool to see. So. And the, the shot contest, I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, I love it. It's it's rigged, like, but I love it. Like, what a what a genius marketing <laughs> gimmick that is. Absolutely. Like, you know, cheap jello shot just to show your pride in the school. Absolutely. People buy them, they're not even there. It's amazing uh, how they figured that out. That was absolute genius. So yeah, I have they, actually a better question. I have one more question. Yeah. So, I'm looking, you mentioned Penn State baseball, which is, is probably the only time we'll mention Penn State baseball during <laughs> college baseball conversation. 
And I'm looking at their schedule, and I notice they've got North Carolina in a midweek game. They've got Pitt in a midweek game. They've got West Virginia. Now, those are far better programs than theirs. For a program like Penn State, second-tier Big Ten, really doesn't have a chance to postseason. Will they load up when they get a name opponent like that in the middle of the week trying to catch them, pitching like at the bottom of their rotation? So can you get value there or no? Yeah, I feel like you can. I, those are games that they've, you know, they've marked on their calendar. They would love to go in and beat one of these big schools. And, you know, Big Ten's kind of down on them this year as a whole. But, um, you know, that Penn State may surprise some people. If, if, and I try to tell people, don't ever bet heavy favorites in midweek. If anything, throw a little bit on, on a big dog and hope that they come through. Like, I was telling them, I think overs. I think yeah, over is over and, yeah. and grabbing grabbing a good school that you know may throw their Friday guy because why not that you know another team they don't care to lose it um, and you get plus two twenty something like that on a on a team I would take that. Matt, Jason, anything? I'm I'm good, buddy. All right, Matt, it was awesome having you on. We'd like to bring you on again <laughs> as we kind of go through the season. Uh, because like we talked about, you can't really take much stock into what's been going on uh, because they have all these classics, and these games really don't matter. At the end of the day, it's it's your conference that matters. So why don't we do this? Why don't we get you back on the schedule at some point uh, if you're free, and we'll kind of coast through this, this season together, and you know we'll kind of pick off a little recap of what we thought. You know, we're heading into weekend three. Let's you know what's what did weekend three look like in hindsight? You know things like that, and. Uh, and we'll get this all the way to the College World Series. Um, I know myself and, and my partner who's not here, Smitty, we've really kind of taken reins to try to make it a you know a, a sport that we talk about more. Uh, I've got Jason in the Pirates hat. He's kind of hooked on it since last season, um, and then I'm slowly getting mad on it. Matt's kind of more of a College World Series guy, but I'm trying to get him into the full baseball season. So they're Pirates fans. They have nothing better to do. Um and one's a Phillies fan, so that's a heartbreak. Don't even waste your time on that. But uh, let's get you back on, man. Uh, sounds good. Next time I won't be so hungover. <laughs> <laughs> you sound hey, like man, us. You, you fit go. in for the show, so it's totally fine. This is not a suit and tie by any means. Matt, before you go, though, make sure you give a, give a plug out for what you got going on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. So I did my college baseball preseason guide. You can download it at MattGrissom.com. It's got a list of all my futures plays, conference bets, stuff like that. And also follow me on Twitter at Grissom Tweets. I post all my picks for free. Uh, my best bets, I keep a running total on that record. And I never give out a play that I don't bet myself. So it, it sucks when you lose, but I don't, I don't count. I don't sell picks. And if, if I throw something out there, I am betting it myself. So trying to do some honest handicapping love to keep track of it and, and be a winner it's hard to do awesome uh, we love it we like the uh the honesty that's what we bring to this show so uh yeah we'll definitely have you on man thanks again for coming on absolutely guys enjoyed it have a good thanks, one man. take care that guy knows the stuff. He, uh, I follow his pick. I started following him last year. I think he won like 33 units in College World Series, which is incredible uh, because it's only a two-week tournament. Um, and like he said, you really have to roll some dogs to get that, you know, because the lines are, are you know, minus. Sometimes you get minus 400 uh, on a Friday night, and that's that's. It's tough to sit there and say like, man, can I take a dog at a plus 450 against, you know, LSU or Florida or, what, or anybody to that to that stature and 
he does, and he wins. Uh, so the guy's guys legit. Follow his stuff, Chris, some tweets because he knows what he's talking about, and he's trying to spread the game. I felt bad there, Q. You ripped it on my Notre Dame. I, I won a lot nice little money on them last year in the tournament. So uh, yeah, I mean they didn't have a good showing out in Omaha, but the Irish, they were them and UConn were definitely uh, cashing some money. Was, yes, they uh, were. North was trying to take back a little. If you took them throughout the tournament up until Omaha, you definitely cashed tickets, and that was that was awesome. I yeah, mean, I again, that was their World Series to to beat the number one team in the country. So now they are they. They they did take a massive drop though they they lost you know Link Jarrett which is huge, um, and their team was super senior heavy last year. I think they lost like six or seven seniors, and that's that's just time is gonna uh, heal that wound and make the team better. But they're a younger team this year, so uh, I don't think you'll win as much money on them this year. Uh, if I have to make a prediction early on. Oh, no, it was definitely a last-year thing and just uh, this awesome value because I think they're a little undervalued because of where they play at and who they play against. So. Yeah. All right, so we got a couple more minutes. Uh, we're going to run a show a little bit longer, like five, ten more minutes longer than we normally do. Um, we had a little little uh, delay there, but no big deal. So let's jump into golf. And before, Matt, I don't even want to forget, so let me just rattle off Smitty's real quick, and then you can kind of take it away. So Smitty, uh, last week, the Honda Classic, he ended up uh, profiting. He had a uh, pretty decent card. He, I don't remember the exact card. Obviously, you can listen to our show. Uh, but he gave me standby. I know he had Christian Kirk, best bet, uh, top 10. Um, that hit, that was plus 330. And then he had Lee Hodges, top 20, that hit, that was plus 230. And then for the Arnold Palmer Classic, so that you have a lot of your big dogs in there. I believe they said like all of the top 20 should be there if I read that correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so he's got Matt Fitzpatrick plus 3,500 as his winner. He's also playing Matt Fitzpatrick plus 750 as a top five finish. Victor Hovland plus 300 top 10 finish. And Gary Woodland is his best bet, but he didn't, he didn't put it's plus 280. I'm assuming that's like a top 20. Does that sound right, Matt? Yeah, that's probably pretty close. Okay, so that's his best bet is Gary Woodland plus two eighty, I believe top twenty. So, Matt, why don't you take it away? You're yeah, the golf savant. Crazy, I didn't actually talk to Smitty about the golf yet because he's been, like we said, out with the pink eye. I want to know if he beat his dad last week, so he's gonna have to tweet that out. No chance. But uh, crazy, <laughs> I actually have Fitzpatrick as my winner as well, thirty three to one. I got. Why do you guys but like I did him? A, um, he's familiar with the course. It's gonna be windy. He's a good ball striker. He actually, one of the big core stats this week is uh, approaches from plus 200, and he rates really well in that. So I threw a couple guys in. Like, this is a longer course. This is a very hard course, too. So the scores are not going to be high, and weather report is coming out. Huge winds coming up for the next two days. So they're, they're talking about trying to get a guy Thursday morning, late Friday, and hopefully they die down. So I'm going to have to look at some uh, – times here coming up i also have um these are all winners round robin top six i went with seamus power patrick cantley Fitzpatrick, and cam young cam young got a nice payout and so did seamus power and then i have a couple top 20s jason day cam davis sam burns and lucas herbert i'll probably look into a couple matchups i really like herbert this week he has good numbers here i think he played here really well last year and Sam Burns is coming in under the the uh, radar too on this course. So those are my plays for this. Uh, one other name to keep an eye on. He's on my no playlist, and I'm not playing him. Is Billy freaking Horschel? 
with the high school bully name as Sheeler always says. <laughs> got beat beat the tar out of by Billy Horschel. So yeah, I'm not playing him though. But he has good. He's got good course numbers here. So Jason. <laughs> You know, Q's going to like him because he's a gator. Oh, uh, he's won a lot of money. He's a successful golfer. Yeah. He's, a good, he's a good player. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got a couple things here. I'm actually I'm going to take a decky at plus 4,500 4, here to win. He actually has some pretty good metrics. Uh, also, uh, Aaron Wise has played really well at this course. I got him for a top 20 at plus 280. I got uh, Hoot. Like I took him last week. He was in the top 20 and then dropped out. He's got some nice metrics here. I took him plus 450 in the top 20. And uh, I got a little surprise here. Uh, I got Patrick Cantley missed the cut plus three fifty. Uh, not a guy who likes the Bermuda grass, so I'm going to fade him. He's definitely been on my team a couple times in some of our pools that we've done, and he's never delivered for me. So this will be it's a little shot on Troy to enjoy him missing the cut. I, I do want to say, Jason, uh, Bazoon who actually has great metrics here. He does. Yeah, he does. There's like, there's like ten or eleven golfers. A lot of them are actually uh, not U.S. guys who play yeah. really well at Bay Hill. Now Bay Hills in Florida, correct? Yeah. Okay. Now, now there was a name that it kind of piqued my interest. So Jason Day, right? He had that run a few years back, probably seven or eight years ago, where he was just dominant. He kind of took like the Colin Moore Cowell, where he was good for a couple years, but then he faded off. Uh, but he's starting to have a little resurgency this year. I, has have you read up on anything like that with Jason Day? Is he? It was it a club change? Maybe a coaching change? Because I started seeing his name, you know, in those top 10 spots uh, when they show the leaderboard pretty consistently this season. Um, obviously, the season's early. He could certainly just be playing a high right now and then drop right back down. But it's good to see Jason Day's name kind of back on the scorecard there. What's your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, I think he got – I think that vertigo really caught up with him for a few years there. And and plus, he was also playing tons of tournaments, and he was playing tons of deep runs in tournaments. So it also could have just burned him out for a little bit. And then he had his kids growing up. I think he backed off the gas pedal a little bit and has regrouped. He's playing really well. He seemed to find himself. He seems a lot uh, like calmer out there on the course to me. So, yeah, I'm glad he's back. I'm actually a Jason Day fan. Yeah, I think he was injured, and I think he made some swing changes because he was injured, and I think everything kind of added up, and he got completely off his game. And like Matt said, he took some time off and kind of reset the whole thing. And I think his back's healthy. And if he's healthy, he's a good player, but you just never know when he's going to flare up and uh, not feel himself. Yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. I, I, I be honest, I totally forgot about the vertigo thing. I know that was pretty prevalent for a while. Um, one other name I'm just looking at because he had a good tournament a couple weeks ago. Um, was Keith Mitchell at all on your radar um, heading into this or not? I'm on, I'm on the, the Jason with Cantley. I'm on the fade Keith Mitchell. I, uh, first round matchup, I'm going to take Sam Burns over him and get Burns at a plus number. So, yeah, Sam Burns playing good golf right now. Um, you guys obviously look more in in depth, but I've definitely seen his name up there. Um, obviously, Justin Thomas is always uh, there, and then Thigala. I mean, he's playing decent golf. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to win, but plus 5500, it's not terrible. Uh, and then obviously, even though it's bad weather, Max Homa, I believe he won. Uh, what tournament was it last year? They actually played in Potomac, Maryland. Um, was it the players that he won or the, um, colonial it's at Avonvale TPC. I can't remember what the sponsor is. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it was a pretty big tournament and, yeah. uh, he did well in the rain. So even though, you know, he's plus 2000 and it's kind of chalk, I guess, in the sense of golf right now, um, with the lines that they're laying, 
He's won a tournament in some nasty weather. Maybe you give him, maybe throw 10 or 20 bucks on it. There's one thing I'm hoping for. I'm just hoping, and it's no rip on him at all, but for our tickets to be valid, we need John Rahm to just not get off to a scorching start. He's got to, he's got to yeah. come out of the gate slow because he is just, he, he is the number one right now and it's not even close. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Do you guys want to talk XFL? What's your thoughts? I know we only got about five minutes left. Yeah, I think uh, you kind of saw like the good and the bad of the XFL this weekend because that Vegas game was really hard to watch. <laughs> I don't know if anybody did. That was brutal. At the old AAA baseball stadium, which uh, I had a buddy who lived out there for years. They wouldn't even play day games there because it was too hot. There was no roof. There was no protection. So it was always night games. You saw how small the stands were, and there was like no TV angle because they literally couldn't get the cameras high enough. Yeah. They, they, got, they had Pittsburgh weather in Vegas, which they've had a lot of the last couple of weeks. Um, so it was just kind of a miserable experience. And you kind of saw what looked like really minor league football. I thought the uh, the Arlington-Houston um, game was actually pretty well played. So did uh, I. Back and forth a little. And uh, Houston's kind of pulled themselves away. I, I thought they, it would be interesting because we did see that Orlando, who played uh, earlier in the week, is not good. And no. even their coach is not good. So they, their lines are going to continue to increase here because they really have no options at quarterback. I think Seattle's dropped as well. Yeah, I mean, they got to figure out what to do because Danucci is fine, except when he's not. Because when he's not, he's really bad. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think their backup situation, Montez, is any better. I think he can obviously run the ball because he looks like a linebacker, but that's it. He doesn't pass well, so you know when he comes in what it, you know what it's going to be. Um, and then like you said, Danucci can be decent or horrid. I don't think he's elite by any means in this league. Now, elite is – I'm using it in a – XFL based comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but you get you guys get where I'm going with it. Now I, I yes, I would agree, and then I'll let you guys take it away as my my quick thing. I'll agree. I think Houston's the number one team. I think DC is number two. I think their defense is is as advertised. I think they're very good. They've I think they have the best defensive coach uh, in the league in Greg Williams. The guys, you know. Outside of the the bounty gate, like he was a bona fide solid defensive coordinator in the NFL, and that ran him out. Outside of that, he probably would still be in the NFL, uh, maybe even as a head coach. Um, he's got those boys playing well, and he can make those adjustments that other coaches can't. And I think that's kind of we talked about. If you have a good coach and a good quarterback and a good running back in this league, you can win. And they've got a good coach, even though he's a coordinator. He makes those adjustments. He's got a good defensive core, and I think they capitalize on the the basics of football and the fundamentals of good play calling and good adjustment in this league. So I think they're, I'm not saying they're far apart, but they're definitely a one and a two. It's not a one, a one B type bit, but those are the top two teams. I think. Yeah. Don't be, funny, like if you watch them, you think Greg Williams is the head coach. Cause he always gets interviewed. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Really Barlow's like more than happy to like, step aside. Well, he's Why, a big name. Think? I was going to say, don't be shocked if Williams is back in the NFL. If this team keeps actually playing the way it is, uh, Somebody might try to bring him in under the radar because his name is very controversial yeah. still in the NFL circles. But, yeah, Q, uh, D.C. is definitely 1B. Uh, Houston is definitely 1A. But they, they play uh, – D.C. plays the Battle Hawks this week. So we got 2-0, and 2-0 and coming up. And I think I'm not 100% positive. We said about the overs last week coming through. I think three out of the four games did go over. So I think this week, though, I think because you have that good matchup with uh, the defenders and Battlehawks and then 
San Antonio and the Roughnecks. I actually think we're going to see probably a split over under this week. I think it'll probably go two and two yeah. and try to figure out who those two are. Yeah, well, it actually did split. The uh, Houston Arlington game somehow went under. Did that. it really? Yeah, because nobody scored in the second half. The first half was way over. Yeah. Um, that DC Vegas game had no chance of going over whatsoever. Playing no. whatever the heck that was. <laughs> no, not at all. So, yeah, no, there's a good match here. I think San Antonio is probably the underwire team. I think Hines Ward's actually doing a really good job with that I team do too. because talent wise, they don't look as good as the other teams. But they seem really well coached. They've got Jack Cohn, who I didn't think was a very good college quarterback, is actually making plays. Uh, it's like kind of stunning. But they play against Houston. They're getting four points. I kind of like them getting the four there. I think that'll be a closer game um, than they. I got them at four and a half now. Oh, I'll take it four and a half there. Yeah, and. Uh, you already see Orlando is now up to eight and a half against Arlington. Um, I can see Arlington covering that pretty easily. Orlando is bad. It's, it's like I said, when your own coach just rips you, it says, I got to get all new players that can give the year. That's bad. <laughs> You're in bad shape. That's bad. Well, I even told you guys, the Arlington coach, Stoops didn't look well at the beginning when this thing tried to take off prior. I think Stoops is kind of done in the coaching world, and I think we're seeing it here. He was successful at Oklahoma. He then goes to the XFL has an unsuccessful team. The season obviously gets interrupted by COVID. They bring him back uh, to be the Arlington Renegades coach again. And again, we're seeing the same problems. They, they're they not great on the offense. They're not great on the defense. They're struggling. And I think this is kind of his his time to maybe step back after the season to say it's it's time to hang it up. Let me focus on my kids who are coaching uh, and maybe grandkids and things like that because I think he's actually hurting Arlington right now. He seems like he defers a lot to the Hayes brothers right now, and I, he I does. Think I think he's checked out. Yeah, it, it does. He's really. It is interesting. Like he's also not on camera a whole lot. He's usually there before the game, and that's pretty much it. And you see all the camera shots are of both Hayes brothers calling the plays yeah. and everything, and very little participation with him. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you think about Seattle minus three at Vegas? Vegas is interesting because they are talented, but I don't think Rob Woodson is a very good coach. <laughs> I think it's a stay away personally. I think it's two bad teams. I think it's just two unknown yeah. teams. Like, I mean, the plus three and a half, like the Vegas situation, it's such a shoddy field situation. You know, Seattle's a shoddy quarterback situation. Like, uh, personally, out of the four games, like that's probably the one you don't bet, in my opinion. I think you just wait and let that one kind of wash out. You, you put maybe a little more money. Uh, into the other three games. I think D.C. is a good bet at under two and a half. I think they can win that game at home. I think the defenders crowd is actually going to play a major role. I think they're the liveliest uh, fan base there is. Uh, the Rock came out and said that you know he, in a roundabout way, agrees. Um, uh, I think Arlington can cover even with the Bob Stoops woes, and I think Houston... Um, I think Houston on the money line is good, but I think San Antonio can, can, can keep it close. I could see like a 22-18 game there. Yeah, even the Broncos with the points there. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if the DC fans start sneaking in lemons of their own. Well, they're not going to have to because they're they're allowing the uh, the beer snake to come back. Yeah, you can't have the kids drinking the cocktails though. So well, the listen, they sell lemonades. It's lemon. fine. So, I would think that'd be awesome if all of a sudden like that became their thing. Like after they score touchdowns, just a lemon. They're lemon. It's kind of like hats on a hat trick. Absolutely. I like, like just, it. You know, a couple of lemons, but yeah. it's amazing how many cocktails they drank in that game. I mean, oh, they're, we are degenerates in D.C., baby. <laughs> XFL is our capital. It's a better than our money. NFL team. <laughs> I love it. I mean, the NFL has to be so bad when they see like, the energy 
in a DC Defender game, knowing like just how awful the commander's environment <laughs> is right now. Like, just thinking, like these guys just want anything to root for. Just give them something. I know. Come I on, know. you're you're hurting Major Teddy, bro. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> does he come back next year? Yes or no? <laughs> uh, he stays there until Snyder does, and when Snyder goes, I think Major Teddy uh, he gets processed. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Q, can you get us a report down there? How much Major Teddy at merchandise is flying off the shelf? I need to get a weigh in because he has not cut it up at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys, we got to kind of end the show here. So uh, just give me your quick picks. I just gave mine. Give me your quick picks, and we'll wrap it up. Or Josh means. Gordon over receiving yards and defenders uh, money line. Jason, I'm actually going to go Vegas money line defenders. Uh, minus two. Uh, I'll lay the eight and a half with Arlington, and give me the Brahmas plus four, four and a half. You can get it. Uh, I think that I think it's gonna be some two good games there, two stinkers. All right. Well, you just heard it. XFL's best cappers right here. Notebook wager live from the Salisbury Studios. Till next week, we'll wrap it up. We'll start with uh, college basketball again. We'll talk a little conference tourneys, little XFL. We'll cover some college baseball each week, and uh, as we always say, bang your bookies. Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.